0: Let's do this.
1: Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's the Spanish Football Breakdown Podcast. I am your host at FL2 Drink Minimum. It's a lunch date, kind of-ish. I'm uh, I'm off today, so I'm not really going to count it that way. And I've already started drinking some beers. So. And
0: I am not eating, so I remain hangry.
1: <laughs> Perfect. That's what we're used to. So at <laughs> DFF underscore swags, the dude is over there. What's up, man?
0: Oh, what's up? What's up? <laughs> You're
1: gonna be hangry. Yeah, I was all and ready
0: to go to John, and I was just like, oh, I'm, "I'm out."
1: Spoilers. <laughs> all right, I guess we'll tell the people now.
2: Is it,
0: uh, is it, well, it's going to be in the title anyway, or something. They'll they'll know before they hear it.
1: They didn't look. They just saw oh. breakdown instead of pressing play. <laughs> uh, John Lobb is here at Gridiron School 92. Is that right? One. I always mess it up. <laughs> even when in I'm trying. Iron Skull 91. Yeah, I think that's what I said. What's up, John? Okay.
2: <laughs> hey, I'm doing great. I wish I had a sexy lunch date with you someday, but we'll have to wait.
0: Yeah, it's, we'll it's make that work. happen. Don't worry. <laughs> so, John, how the hell is your summer going on summer vacation?
2: Oh, it's day three. I'm um, it's I'm in the middle of a best ball draft right now. I've now completed 20 different drafts from Mac drafts, the best ball drafts, the dynasty drafts, the you know rookie dynasty draft so i'm knee deep into this nfl fantasy football season i'm excited i'm writing my college um fantasy football previews that are going to be coming out within the next couple of weeks on fan track so it's football season for me and school is in the back in the rearview mirror
0: do you uh try to plan some of your drafts for when your school year ends now or just just happy to have Uh, a couple still going or what
2: yeah, this one just happened. Someone popped up on me last week and said, "We need one last person. Do you want to join?" It was a friend, well, someone I know on Twitter. I guess it's a friend, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm I said, I'll join."
0: Friend. I made myself yes. your friend. I decided this morning we're friends. John, is
1: that cool? All right,
2: we're friends. So you're I'm still your not friends.
1: sure yet. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so I, I'm not in general, but I'm more willing to join drafts now because it's a little bit easier during the school year. I. I really don't like to be involved in more than maybe one mock draft for a magazine or for a website and at best the best ball draft at the same time because I still have my family and my work and the students' papers, so there's other stuff that I have to do. But now I'm kind of more open. You know, I have more time early in the morning and late at night.
0: I feel like if I was a teacher, my students would have a lot of free time so I could draft. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's probably why I, will... I am not a teacher. That's uh, a good thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wins. <laughs>
1: so I don't know where swags is going to try to take this. And, um, as you can already tell, we're a little, little free-for-all, especially more than the last time. But, uh, I saw an interesting tweet, uh, last night, yesterday, somewhere in there that John, you and I were, were both on. And I just wrote in there, I'm asking you this on breakdown tomorrow. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm just going to read it from at Dino Cast Cow. Uh just says, I'm hearing a lot and reading a lot of analysts, citing season-long stats. Unless you play in a season-long roto football league, season-long stats are meaningless on their own. Fantasy football is a week-to-week league. And it just kind of, I think it was Paul. Yeah, at Paul Ryan 15 just wanted your thoughts on it. And I was instantly like, yes, I'm stealing this too. It's mine now.
2: <laughs> um, you know, years ago, it meant a lot more to me. You know, I've been playing fantasy football. This is my 31st season. So, you know, years ago when you're only in one or two leagues and you were trying to figure out who you would like over the course of a season before there was anything DFS or consistency rankings, you were looking at total points scored and the average points per game. And that was basically your only parameter. Now, you understood that there were highs and lows throughout the season, but you were looking for the players who were projected to be the most total points scored and the highest points per game. Now, obviously, as there's more analysts in the industry, there there's more statisticians, there's more um pe- smarter people than me. I think I don't rely on them as much, but I can't say they're meaningless. I hear some people say they mean nothing. I'm not into that because when I'm looking in like round eight or nine in a draft, it depends what you're looking for, but I like to have home run hitters. I'm not as big as into consistency late in the draft. I want guys who can get 20 points. Maybe they only do it two or three times a year. So that will be total. If they have a high total, that sometimes identifies to me that they're going to have a big burst out a couple of games like Trey Smith did last year. Now I didn't expect it because he was a rookie, but that type of player. So I think there's still value in them. It's not how I necessarily base my rankings, but I do look at them. Maybe it's just because I'm old and it's something that I've done for so many years. Obviously, in the DFS game, they're meaningless. So I would never do it there. But when I'm doing a, a draft, I do look at them to give me a baseline of a relationship between one player and another.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm good. trying, to, I didn't see that on Twitter. So I'm trying to understand the basis of it. But I mean, are we saying that? Rather than go with somebody that's been productive all year, I'm now streaming wide receivers and playing them against weak defenses. Or, I mean, how? I mean, I don't know. Like, you could take players like Tyreek Hill, who finished wide receiver one or two, and have some ups and downs throughout the season, but still, in the end, I mean, Tyreek won it for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I mean, there. I, I the question I think was, you know, how a lot of people put in magazines. At the end of the year, Tom Brady will have 3,500 yards passing, 24 touchdowns. Does that have value? I do think it has some value. It's obviously less than when I started 31 years ago, but I still look at the numbers because I need a baseline of relationship in like, who do I'm just like, is it Sam Darnold or Tom Brady? I kind of use, you know, I have my own perspective. I have my own rankings. But what do other people think of the two? Now there might be a consistency and a floor factor with Brady, but there might be a ceiling factor with um, Bradford that's higher. So what are their total numbers at the end of the season? I kind—I do use gotcha. that. You know, I'm not using it as the end all and be all. I would say it's a tool. I use it as a tool, but it's not the most important tool anymore. I think to say that they're useless—I just don't agree with that. Because then you have to dig deeper. Maybe this is the top of your database where you might start, but obviously you have to dig deeper underneath those numbers, you know, art like Ben Roethlisberger. If you look at his total numbers, that will tell you one thing, but historically he's played a lot better at home than on the road. So when mm-hmm. I look at those numbers, I need to then understand some context, which says maybe 62% of those statistics are accumulated in his home games, and the other 38% of the numbers are in his road games. So I do use them a little bit to to make value analysis, but I have to dig deeper underneath it.
1: Or like even just last year with like Derrick Henry, how he blew up at the very end of the season. That might be a bad example because people are kind of projecting him to maybe almost continue that. But just because of the huge increase at the end, throw it a few years back, was at Woodhead. Finished like RB three, you know what I mean? Because he yep. had like four or five monster games at the end of the year that just propelled him all the way up to the top. And you know what I mean? You can't look at that in the next year thinking, all right, well, Woodhead's now a, an RB one? Cause obviously that, that was not the case.
2: Yes. And people probably over projected, right. His next season's total statistics based on the production at the end of the year. And I actually won a fantasy league because of Danny Woodhead that year. And I actually, I bypassed him the next season because I thought the cost was too high. Yeah, because he went way up for sure. Yeah, it's not that I didn't like Danny Woodhead, but there were injury concerns. He had never had that. Maybe there was a season two years before that great run where he had shown similar type of upside. Mm -hmm. But if you took the body of his work over the course of his career, it was not really that projectable to repeat that. So I was bypassing him and then he got hurt. So I got, you know, it's not like I was some genius mm-hmm. when he ended up getting hurt. But so when I was looking at someone like Danny Woodhead's numbers, I would have said to myself when I'm doing my rankings, that looks like it's a ceiling based analysis, not including the floor. So that was someone I was bypassing.
1: What? Um. So let's stay there. How about projecting Derek Henry forward? And we'll just stay right with that because of those monster games. Do you think he'll be overdrafted? Is it warranted coming this year for you?
2: I'm a, I'm a Derrick Henry believer, all right? I, I I've loved him since he was at Alabama. I believe he was my second or third ranked rookie coming out of that draft. Right now, I have him as my 15th ranked running back in redraft leagues. I'm projecting him for about 20 carries a game. Now, obviously, I understand nice. that game game script's going to matter, right? If they fall behind to the Colts by 14 points, he's not likely to get 20 carries. But if they're ahead of the Texans by seven or 10 points in the fourth quarter, you know they're going to pound Derrick Henry. He might get I eight think- or
1: 10 in the fourth quarter. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, over the course of the season, you know, I will average out 20 carries a game. Now, I understand that he's probably going to score touchdowns in bunches. There's going to be games where they just destroy people and he gets like two or three touchdowns. Now, again, like I just mentioned, if he's behind by 10 to 14 points, he's not likely to reach the end zone. But And I understand there's fluctuations with him. That's why I don't have him in my top 12, because I would not want Derrick Henry to be my number one running back. But if you tell me I can get Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry, I'm ecstatic because I believe I have consistency with Joe Mixon and incredible upside with Derrick Henry on those big games when the matchups are beneficial and the game script says that he might even get 25 carries. So I like Henry a lot, but I understand there's fluctuation. But at the end of the year, I think he's got 1300 yards rushing and, uh, you know, between 11 and 13 touchdowns. And I'll take that any day as my second running back.
0: Hmm. So can we stay in Tennessee like for a second? Just a quick second. Sure. Because because uh, I mean, John does a lot of stuff with college guys and um, players like that, and you've dove into that pre-draft. You're doing that right now for next year. So yes,
2: I'm doing my quarterbacks as we speak.
0: Derek Henry goes down. Are you interested in Alex Barnes? Are you uh, are you a Jeremy McN- Jeremy McNichols guy or? I'm definitely not to a Jerry
2: McNichols guy. So I would actually say Alex Barnes' skill set, if Deion Lewis remains. So the first question we'll have to address when the season's underway will Deion Lewis, let's say Henry goes down, would Deion Lewis remain their third down back and, you know, maybe in the fourth quarter if they're behind, or do they promote him to the full time back? So that's going to be dependent on what Alex Barnes shows us in training camp and what we hear from the coaching staff. I do think that Alex Barnes has the exact same skill set that the Titans are looking for in a ground and pound runner. Now he's different than Derek Henry, but he's very good between the tackles. He can get skinny in the hole and he is a big enough player with breakaway ability. Once he gets past the front seven where he can go down the field. So I actually think Barnes is the type of player. You know, in week 11, if Henry goes down, he could get 18 carries in the Titans offense and be successful with them.
0: Yeah, help win some championships, maybe. I mean, if that narrative happened.
2: Hey, I won a championship with Elijah McGuire and Damian Williams in a dynasty yeah, league, yeah. right? I'm yeah. very open. I'm very oh, open Williams with at
1: the end. I played them yeah. in week 16. Yeah. Yes.
2: So I'm very open to, that's why I like dynasty leagues a lot, why I like the analysis, um, of understanding. You have to know wh- how Alex Barnes, what his skill set is. Does he fit into the system? So let me take it like, if he was in a Bruce Arians offense, I don't think Alex Barnes would be very good. I think he need, he, he might be good in the Steelers offense. Um, uh, maybe even in the Washington Redskins. So you're looking a little bit at the type, the style. Of play the line blocking is it a gap scheme those types of things to make Alex Barnes a successful NFL player. I like it.
1: In a moment of silence, <laughs> was that for Dion Lewis? <laughs> oh, man. See, I don't.
0: That's the thing, though. I think that that's all he will be is that pass catcher. I mean, I think if Henry goes down, I'd be ignorant to not assume that Dion Lewis yeah. gets a little bit of a bigger workload. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he's. Getting older, man, the guy, he's just not what he used to be, and what he used to be was never that amazing. I mean, he's a pass-catching back that took away work from Derrick Henry when we didn't want him to.
2: Yep. And remember, he's a product of the Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady machine. Mm -hmm. How many of their players, when they have left the machine, have become fantasy studs outside of New England I don't remember many West, Wes Welker we
1: were talking about <laughs> who Woodhead that one year. We were just talking. There about. you go. And that was what one year, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and Wes
2: okay. Welker had one good one or two good years with Denver, but he never hit the heights that he did in new England.
0: But, but man, like <clears throat> Wes Welker, like, man, don't get me wrong, but uh, cause you're right. Like there was regression when he went to the Broncos yeah but Wes Welker was amazing compared to like the regression that most like veteran wide receivers have when they leave an offense like the Patriots and go to the next one like he was almost an outlier of in like very like he's almost in like it man it's so hard to explain this but so I researched this a while ago like few years ago jane does research what the yeah (laughs) (laughs) you'd be surprised like (laughs) i don't like to sound too smart but uh, so i'm teasing but the what most wide receivers do after they've been in an offense for a few years like 28 29 that age like vets not talking like 25 like brandon cooks i'm talking about a well-trained dog once they it's it's sometimes it appears that it's hard to teach those dogs new tricks like they go to a new offense and they they may be productive and you might like it okay but it's like 50% or less of the production they had in their last season whereas when Wes Welker went to play with Peyton for that year the regression was only about 20%. He still had a really good season. Like Wes what Wes Welker did like I cannot stand that people think of Julian Edelman as the best Patriots wide receiver ever because Wes Welker just crushed everything he did in all the years that Julian Edelman was never a wide receiver one.
2: I personally think Wes Welker is better than Julian Edelman myself. Um, So I'm shocked that people say what they do about, and I like Edelman, but I don't think he's the greatest Patriot. I'll bring up Stanley Morgan from the seventies, Irvin Fryer, if you know, but that's a long. I'm an old man, so I have a lot of different players in my background. But I'll say this: Welker was in the perfect system with Peyton Manning because yep. he had Marius Thomas and Eric Decker. So I think Peyton Manning is such a brilliant offensive mind. He was able to communicate with Wes Welker and said, "What do you like to run? What do you like to do?" He ran basically the exact same routes in Denver as he did in New England, which shows you the intelligence of Manning to say I'm not going to try to make Wes Welker something that he's not. Wes Welker was the perfect slot receiver, mismatch against cornerbacks and he manipulated the middle of the field as well as any slot receiver yeah. and Manning took advantage of that.
0: And I mean but I'm looking at it now and you're right. I mean it's it's like 5 or 600 yards less like from 2012 he had 1,354 yards then 2013 his first year with denver it was 778 so i stand corrected yep. but still a decent season
2: and how, but did he score like eight or nine touchdowns that year
0: um he had 10 touchdowns in denver 10,
2: yeah because yeah. i had him on the team he was good i mean he wasn't great obviously he didn't do what he did yeah you know with the um patriots but also remember they were more talented on offense the broncos of 2013 yeah. than the page Patri- you know I mean, not, not compared to 2007, but when he left New England, they weren't as talented on offense as Denver was in 2013. His sorry, Patriots man. run
0: was crazy, though. In 2007, from 2007 to 2012, oh. like, I mean, he, 2007, 112 targets, 2008, or these are catches, sorry, 2008, 111 catches, 2009, 123, 2010, 86, he was injured. Um, two thousand eleven hundred and twenty two, twenty two, two thousand twelve,
2: 122, 2012, 118.
0: Yeah, he was amazing. Amazing. Man. Yeah, but. And but
2: yeah. I don't think Edelman has had that many good years.
0: No, he hasn't. He's never been a wide receiver one. Never
2: once. And the thing that. Never ending.
0: Which could go into that stats thing where you're talking about stats at the end of the year because Edelman is an excellent weekly play, but he might not, he doesn't, he's never shown the stats at the end of the year, whether it was injury or suspension or just not being as good as we want him to sound like he's never finished the season as a wide receiver one. Never, ever, ever,
2: never. And ever. you know what I think is, you know, what I think is making the uh, the the um, perspective bias, the Patriots have won Super Bowls with Edelman. Unfortunately for Wes Welker, I don't think they won a Super Bowl in his tenure there because they lose to the Giants in 2017 and they lose to the Giants again in what? 2011. So I think the perception is based on the simple fact that Edelman has appeared, having the Patriots been in the last three Super Bowls, and he's won two of them, so I think yeah. that makes the perception of Edelman a better player than he actually is.
0: Well, and and the dude's a badass, like uh, a guy that no, size to be a... able to like yes. be in the slot and to fearlessly know he's going to take some of those hits. Like shout out to anybody that is willing to do that and enjoy it. But um, yes, but I just don't think he's. <laughs> He's – I don't know. I just think he's a little overrated.
2: Hey, he's a good fantasy player. He's not a Hall of Famer. I mean, I'm an old man. I have a high standard. I've seen a lot of great wide receivers. I'd put you in the Hall of Fame, John. (laughs) Well, that's too kind. But, like, (laughs) if I'm going to name 45 receivers in my lifetime, Edelman's not even in the conversation. Like, I mean, there's just – I've seen since – you know, I've been watching since 1976 – there's just been tremendous players at that position, and Edelman isn't in the conversation.
0: Yep. What were you gonna say to you, drink?
1: I don't know. That was long <laughs> ago. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't important enough. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna change this completely into a keeper question because I'm getting close to that, and it's two running backs, and you can only keep one.
2: Okay. It's,
1: it's Leonard Fournette, and it's Carry On Johnson.
2: First question: PPR or non?
1: Um. Uh, let's split it half.
2: Okay. Half point PPR. I'm still going to go with Leonard Fournette at this point. Um, I believe the Jaguars have upgraded the offensive line. Nick Foles is clearly a better quarterback than, um, Blake Bortles. And I always forget who was the guy they were playing at quarterback late in the season in Jacksonville. Um, I feel bad. He was so bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So the upgrade with Nick Foles should create more first downs which means more opportunities for Leonard Fournette. I'm not a big believer in Matt Patricia yet, and I have my questions about how he's putting together this organization. So I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette here. I feel like if he can keep his head in the game and stay healthy, he still has that 1,200-yard double-digit upside. Now, that that is obviously taking some assumptions, but I still love the talent of Leonard Fournette.
1: Nice. And it was Cody Kessler who uh, got... Oh, a that's games it. Games Cody that Kessler. Europe, you, oh, the nobody really needs to know that. To
0: drink for that uh, <laughs> keeper question, could he only yeah. keep one all together for his team or just one of those two? Like, do you know how what were the keeper I do rules? Not
1: know. No. I do not know. If it's I was, full CPR, does it change?
2: You know, that's an interesting question. You could make an argument. For carry on Johnson. I think it'd be a stronger argument in full PPR, but I'm still going with Leonard Fournette because he does, he's a better pass catcher than people think. I think he's averaged like two point seven.
1: Yeah. Talk so, about you more than Foles wanting to dump it off and like doing that to a big back in camp. So
2: Yes. Camp so I'm talk, still, yeah. I'm still gonna it's closer, but I'm still gonna take Fournette.
1: Swags. Are you yes. doing it too. Was it same, same yeah, thing? Same uh, thing. Yes, I agree. You, I, you I probably
0: kind much. of assumed that just from like our conversations yeah. you and I had last night a little bit, but for sure,
1: I I figured as much. I I wonder. I mean, both both have the injury risk as well, so not getting sixteen from either guy, I I feel pretty easy about asking, you know, saying that. Swag's turn. Yes, my turn.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I I don't want to be a broken record with different players, but I mean, I'm going to do the same thing here as uh, I did on Derek Henry, and I'm I want to talk about Armstead. Okay. Right, while Armstead yeah
2: okay um first if you draft Leonard Fournette you have to acquire Raquel Armstead one Leonard Fournette I believe and I wish I had the numbers in front of me but out of 32 possible games Leonard Fournette has only played 22 the first two years in the league so there's obviously questions about him being able to stay on the field but last year carry Johnson didn't stay on the field either so I think it's just about a wash there so to me, I'm in a best ball league and I, the two times I've been, I've been a couple, but the two times that I've drafted Fournette, I made sure that I backed up Fournette with Ryquel Armstead in round 17 or 18. I think that is an absolute must. Now it's interesting because I've been in two dynasty. I mean, I have a couple dynasty teams, but I've already been in two dynasty league drafts and both times in the fourth round, The Leonard Fournette owner allowed me to poach and take Raiquel Armstead.
1: If I, if
2: I, that's silly, dude. You can't, you have to buy systems in dynasty leagues where you have a very big investment in a player. Like last year, if you had Le'Veon Bell, you had to go out and acquire James Conner at this time. Of the summer. We all heard rumors about Le'Veon Bell. He was going to hold out a training camp. Obviously, people thought he was going to sign. He would eventually end up on the Steelers. The only way you could have protected your asset was to acquire James Conner. I am shocked that I am getting Raikwell Armstead from owners who are drafting like weird, you know, tight ends. In the third or fourth round, that don't make any sense. You've got to protect your assets. So hey, I'll take the free Raquel Armstead in dynasty leagues, and I'm taking him in best ball when I draft Fournette.
0: So would you rather have Raquel Armstead or Alexander Madison?
2: Oh, Raquel Armstead, without question.
0: Is that because of Fournette or the skill set? I mean, what?
2: No, I, I I I know some people like. Alexander Madison, I think Raquel Armstead I had him ranked higher in my pre-draft rankings. I'm not overly impressed with Alexander Madison. Look at, he's in a good position for opportunity on a good team if Dalvin Cook goes down. But I'm not reaching for um Alexander Madison. I don't think I've gotten a share in 20 drafts of Alexander Madison. I don't own Dalvin Cook in my dynasty league, so that's part of it also but he's just not someone I'm looking for. I definitely think that Ryquell Armstead is the better long-term asset in dynasty football.
1: Do you think Dalvin just holds on to all of the carries and, and touches and they're in the running back there? And, and I guess that's staying healthy, but mm-hmm. I mean, even seeing Latavius Murray, you know, have production. Right, yeah, in the game that's where I was going with, with Dalvin in the game. Uh, I like Raquel so, Armstead, too, and I've tried you know, everywhere to acquire him, even if I don't have Fournette. I'd yeah. like to come back to, as gross as it sounds, Alfred <laughs> Blue is at least there to, I think, mess that up a little bit if something were to happen. But it yeah, stay on the, Madison.
2: That's the coach saying, let me bring in a veteran in case while Armstead okay. can't figure out how to run the football. Um, so I understand why they're doing it from an organizational standpoint. Now, back to the – I think if Dalvin Cook is healthy, And it looks like, you know, we saw him play. He was on the field as often as possible. I think the Vikings were protecting his health by giving the ball to Latavius Murray. Plus, Latavius Murray is a good running back. You're right. So I'm not sure Alexander Madison is as good as Latavius Murray. And I think people are losing that in the equation. Now, Dalvin Cook is healthier. I believe that the Vikings want to feed the football to Dalvin Cook. They would love him to be on the field 70 to 75 snaps and just become the ultimate bell cow. Now the question is, can he do it? That's why you would have to back up Dalvin cook with shears of Alexander Madison, but I'm not convinced that Madison is going to step right in and be as effective and as productive as Latavius Murray.
0: Yeah, everybody kind of. And I, and I think uh, Madison will be productive just because I think a lot of role, but I, I think you're right. Like everybody kind of wants Murray to be shittier than he is. Like he's Murray's been a, decent, a good he's player. He's been a decent running back. Yeah,
2: he does. I mean, he's not a superstar, but he is the like. I mean, don't we now like Murray as a backup in New Orleans? Right. I mean, that's why people are I mean, talking maybe, about him. I
0: don't know. Change of pace, probably too. You know, like if yes, not just a backup, yes. but I mean, I think he'll have a role there.
2: No, you're right, because you can't play Alvin Kamara 30 or, you know, 20 touches a game yeah. or 60% of the snaps. So he will have a role, but that tells you how
1: good Latavius Murray is. Yep. I feel better. I feel better right now. I made a trade and acquired Murray this month. I
0: liked your trade. Yeah, I liked that a lot.
1: Hey, Murray's a
2: – you know – What happened is, remember when he had that big game on Monday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs
1: as a Raider? Yeah,
2: yeah, and he was one of those Twitter asset running backs. Everyone's like, "Get Latavius Murray, get Latavius Murray." And I liked him coming out of college, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there were questions about him. So then, the expectations were so high of Latavius Murray, right? And he didn't exceed our expectations, or even reach him for that matter. So I think there's like this negative perception on a very good NFL running back. Look, he's not a pro bowler. He's not someone who I would hang my hat on. But Latavius Murray is a solid, competent, productive NFL running back. And that's why Sean Payton, the Saints, picked him up. Perfect compliment to Alvin Kamara. So I think people have the wrong perception of Murray because of these unrealistic expectations on really that Monday night game was that one long run, right? Didn't he have like a 78-yard touchdown Mm -hmm. or something like that? Right. So everything people were excited. We all tuned into that game that Monday night. And I think he had that long run in the first quarter, right? Oh my God, he's the next, yeah. you know, and then he never achieved that. But I do like Latavius Murray as a player and he was good with the Vikings last year.
1: Can I get some, uh, rookie, rookie thoughts on the undrafted? Sure. Was it a Zigbo there? And then just, just because I remember some of our talk from before and hearing you on other ones, um, Somehow I'm going to let you professionally transition that into your guy, James Williams, who was who I thought was in a great landing spot going to the Chiefs, even as undrafted, but as news been cut recently. But start yeah, with a, a Zigbo there for me, if you would. Yeah,
2: I, I'm not a huge Zigbo fan. I look in the right system. If you put him in Baltimore, I think a Zigbo could be productive because. The the Ravens like those grinders between the tackles and they're going to give their players lots of carries. I mean, look at what Gus Edwards did in Baltimore last year. And I don't necessarily think that a Zigbo is a great player. But I think in the right system he could be productive. So I'm not a huge fan. I want to see where what happens with him. Uh, you know, does he even make the roster? I think there's questions about that. We'll see. Hey, no one's more depressed about James Williams than I am right now. Obviously, <laughs> you know. I mean, I want to. I had. A, I, I watched some more film after he was cut. What did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong? What, you know, w- w- why did this happen? I think part of it was the landing spot. Kansas City just has a plethora of options there, right? So I think it was a depth chart problem. I'm still hoping that he lands in like Houston. I still cool. think. You know, they need a pass catching running back. They need help. You know, I think, you know, we don't know. I hear lots of glowing things about Dante Foreman. So we'll see what happens. But you can, you know, I think running backs are like pitching. You can never have too many good running backs. The attrition rate is so high. So mm-hmm. I still think James Williams will end up in training camp somewheres. I still believe he can be a productive NFL player. He just needs his opportunity. Hey, look, we had to wait for Damian Williams. You know, he sat around, was on a couple teams. Miami didn't use him right. He finally got his opportunity late in the year with Kansas City, and he won me a Dynasty League title, and he mm-hmm. won me a lot of money in in um DFS. So mm-hmm. I still think James Williams – has a role in the NFL, he's just gonna to have to find a landing spot. And we know good running backs eventually they'll have an opportunity down the road. It's just a matter of when and with what organization.
1: What um let's let's continue staying Kansas City then because that seems to be like you're Damian Williams or you're not. Plus we got Hyde there and then maybe a little bit on Darwin Thompson. Do you see one guy emerging? Is it do they stay one back through because it's Andy Reid, or are we going to get a sprinkle from all of these guys?
2: So it's interesting. That's one of those great fantasy conundrums that we we debate and we talk about. If you drop. pick it right,
1: you know what I mean. Yes. for value, it's going to be again like you like Damian Williams last year. Like if that's where it is, then that's another league winner. Especially if it's Hyde or Thompson because of even later of you getting them.
2: Yes. Hey, that and that's what makes fantasy football so much fun. Mm -hmm. Now, I have Damian Williams right now as number 16 on my running back rankings. I have some concerns about an undrafted free agent who took this long to become a star. Now, I like him, obviously, but I think he's going overpriced right now. So I'm not buying him in redraft leagues or best ball leagues because I don't know if he can handle the 16-game grind that Andy Reid is going to feed his feature running backs. I have not seen that yet. I mean, you know, from uh, uh, Westbrook, right? Bryant Westbrook was who's the Eagles running back all those years ago? Yeah, it was Brian, Brian, right? Yeah. Brian Westbrook, right? Yep. And 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 then you have Kareem Hunt. We know Andy Reid wants to give the ball to his guy, so I feel really comfortable with the system. But is Damian Williams the player? Who can handle that over a 16 game grind? I'm not sure yet because I have not seen that. So I, I, I'm just, I have him in my top 16. He's number 16. Obviously at the right price, I'm interested. But then you also have Carlos Hyde and you mentioned, I think part of the reasons James Williams was cut was I think the, the, um, Kansas City Chiefs were just really, really impressed with Darwin Thompson coming out of Utah or Utah State, mm-hmm. and they decided that this is our guy we're going to develop as our third down back. He might need a year or two. So I think that made James Williams expendable in the Chiefs' mind just looking at you know depth chart and roster size. So I think that's why Williams is no longer in Kansas City. Obviously, if I can get Damian Williams late third, fourth round, I'm buying him but I'm seeing him go off in the second round, early third. I'm not willing to buy him there because I have not seen him handle 20 touches a game over a 16-game season yet.
0: Yeah. What, I'm, uh, I'm not interested in that guy.
1: Yeah, I just think he's overpriced.
0: <laughs> yeah, with you.
1: What – is a third enough for Darwin Thompson? In Dynasty or – yeah, yeah. Dynasty? Yeah.
0: 2019 or 2020?
1: No, uh, 2020. Oh, you mean trading for him or getting a third? Either which which side uh, okay. would you do? I guess.
2: <laughs> um. So if if I had been invested in Kareem Hunt or Damian Williams, I'm buying Darwin Thompson in the third round, no question. So if you are trading for Darwin Thompson, I have no problem giving up a third round because I've got to protect my investment <laughs> with Damian Williams or Carlos Hyde, depending on how your dynasty roster is. Mm-hmm. If I have or if I if let's say I drafted Darwin Thompson and someone wants to give me a third next year's draft I would try to squeeze a second cuz I think there's value in a dynasty league to Darwin Thompson attached to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid.
1: So second seems awfully <laughs> uh, pricey pricey to me but again, if that's the guy that hits, then it's it's well worth that price now to have it on your team. And what if uh, – what? so so let's
2: – if you owned Damian Williams and you thought – and somehow you got Carlos Hyde. Let's say you have both somehow. And you're in a big deep – like I was in a 30-man dynasty team, right? Yeah. Are you willing to maybe not have a running back at the end of the season if you don't have Darwin Thompson on your roster? That's the role. Yeah. That's the dice, right?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, in a thirty man now, you know, uh, third round, we're talking about you know pick definitely sixty one or whatever. I, I I'll give you a second in that one because even that's even deeper.
2: Okay, uh,
0: so John, would you yeah. give a third back with that? Like, if he agreed to that second, but he wants a third back as well, would you? Yeah, do that? I, if
2: I had someone on my roster who you know, I I mean, I'd have to think about it. But yeah, if I if I had someone like Mike Weber, and a set guy said, "Give me Mike Weber too," I'd give it to him.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's not too far off. Yeah, there's very little invested all around in the Chiefs running backs, and maybe that's just by design where money needs to be for them moving forward. You know what I mean? And and being able to sign these guys. But even to that point, and I'm going to go ahead and jump us right into kind of what we were talking about pre-show a little bit. What's to stop the Chiefs next year from taking a running back in the second or third and in next year's class that supposedly is super deep? You know what I mean? most of these guys we're talking about wouldn't be even close to that second round uh you know NFL draft wise so
2: i, I think guess, that's i guess wh- that's
1: my risk there in the pick if, if it works for you this year and like you said at the end of the year now I'm, at least i know i have the chief's running back that i can plug in and it's going to win me at the end of the year then the second's worth it but is it it, it almost feels uh risky for a one term rental or Right, because Hyde's pretty easy to cut. Williams, even though they just extended him, it was just what two years and like four mil or something stupid, like no money.
2: Yeah, yeah. And running backs, they'll just get they'll be gone with them if they fail. Like there's no draft capital in Damian Williams, and I don't think Carlos Hyde will be on the team next year. Right. I don't see how you know. I so and look if Andy Reid is as and the organization is as smart as I believe they are. They're probably already looking at next year's running back class and saying, Hey, we're gonna get a running back in round two next year. I mean, there's definitely because that running back class is sweet, but it depends how much draft capital Kansas City wants to buy at pay next year. Yeah, but like <laughs>
1: like Travis Entienne over there or just oh, my- oh
2: dude. That would be a dream come it's true. Neat.
1: Like that's 101. Like, maybe not in Superflex because all the quarterbacks, but that's probably sure. the first non-quarterback off the board at that point. Like, that's the the dream landing spot, right? Like that's the the Dallas Cowboys Z kind of landing spot. I know the offensive line isn't isn't built the same, but just the offense in general is whoa.
2: Oh, I mean, right now Travis Etienne is my number one Nice. Um, Debbie prospect, my number one. College fantasy football running back. He is, to me, a spectacular runner. I mean, now, granted, he's in a perfect system. Clemson is loaded. But, man, 5'10", 215 pounds, over 2,400 yards, first two seasons on campus, averaged 7.8 yards a carry and 39 touchdowns. This man is gold.
1: And doesn't touch the ball. No, he doesn't, dude.
2: He's a – His efficiency with the football is outstanding. I mean, and I love that five. He is compact, 5'10", 215. It's almost the perfect size, right? You don't want the Mm -hmm. six-foot one. You want that 5'10", muscle, 215. I mean, now, obviously, the combine, what if he shows up at 205? You always have to be a little bit careful with these college sites, right? Mm -hmm. But if he's 215, 5'10", he could be a top. He should be a top five pick in next year's draft.
1: So that means he won't make it the Chiefs. Got it?
2: <laughs> Yo, that would be. Oh my god, that's Saquon Barkley. I mean, yeah, Ezekiel right. Elliott going to Dallas. I mean, it's just it would be perfect.
1: Are there? How about a couple other running backs that maybe not as high as as TE there, but some other guys you really like next year, and maybe a a guy or two that. The rest of us need to pay attention to or put a, put a little bit more respect on their name.
2: Absolutely. Um, there's. I think there'll be at least three running backs with first-round grades in the draft next year. Right now, we already mentioned the Clemson superstar. DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. People, he is one of those Georgia Bulldogs studs. Now, Georgia has a good passing game. They've had so many running backs. He has not garnered the number of carries that previous Georgia running backs have acquired, Mm -hmm. like Nick Chubb, No. Sean Moreno, Todd Gurley. I think this is the year DeAndre Swift finally gets his 250 to 300 touches in the ground game. I think he's spectacular. I think people are asleep on him. He's 5'9", 215 pounds. He has averaged 6.8 yards a carry and 17 touchdowns with 49 receptions. People, you got to understand this. DeAndre Swift has 49 receptions in the Georgia Bulldog passing game. Let me repeat that. 49 (laughs) receptions in the Georgia Bulldog passing game. That is an amazing statistic. He's a better pass catcher than ETN, but I believe ETN is a better um, runner from the line of scrimmage. Now, we're going to debate that over the next 8-9 months. But mm-hmm. that's how I have it graded out right now. Then Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. Man, if you have not seen him. Now, you got to understand, Wisconsin has that great offensive line and I I just drool watching the Badgers run the football. It is just beauty of brute strength, determination, and fortitude on the football field. And they do it year after year. They have a system. They know it. They're scouting. They bring in these offensive linemen, and they just crank out and brutalize the opponents with the ground game. But Jonathan Taylor is every bit as good as Melvin Gordon. His first two years on campus, 4,171 Ooh. yards rushing. 6.9 yards per carry and 29 touchdowns, 5'11", 2'19". I have a first-round grade on all three of those guys right now. Etienne, Swift, and Taylor are studs. All should be drafted in the first Is Knock on wood, they come out of this season healthy. Then there's a couple guys I think I, I have second-round grades now, but they could not move up. If you have not seen Eno Benjamin, Arizona yeah. State people, you're missing out. He is a very good pass catcher runner. In basically one season, he didn't play much as a freshman. In basically one season, he's totaled 40 receptions and over 1,700 yards rushing for Arizona State. And then the guy who's interesting is Najee Harris, another Alabama guy. Now, 6'2", 227 pounds. Now, Alabama, if you haven't been paying attention, is transition to a passing team. They are loaded at quarterback and wide receiver. People, they have a top five wide receiver. This kid is as good as Amari Cooper and Julio Jones, Jerry Judy. Watch him. Amazing top five prospect at wide receiver. But if Najee Harris goes out and he has that Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry type season, now that's to be seen because Alabama has depth in the backfield. But Najee Harris right now stands atop the depth chart. If he was to go out and have 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns at 6'2", 227, and he goes out and runs one of those, you know, 40, 4'5", at that size, Najee Harris will be a second-round pick.
1: Love it. Can I – how about the Ohio State kid, J.K. Dobbins? What's What's your thoughts on him?
2: So I have him right now at number seven. Now, okay. the, interesting, the interesting part is he was very good two years ago when Mike mm-hmm. Weber was injured, and I was really impressed with him. Last year, he shared time with Weber, so the numbers weren't that spectacular. But Jake Dobbins is, to me, he's a really good dynamic chess piece, 48 career receptions, 2, over 2,400 yards from the line of script running the football, 20 touchdowns. Five ten, two hundred seventeen pounds. I like him. I think he's a third round grade entering this season. Let's see how he does for the Buckeyes this year. But I do like him. He's someone. Hey, in the right, like he's actually a Randy. Ironically, he's an Andy Reid type player, my friends. All
1: right, I got. I got one more. It's in the sure. state of Florida. Ooh, um,
2: I think I know who. Go ahead.
1: Well, I'd like to throw Michael P. Right out there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go Cam Akers because I think Piran's a little little bit deeper, and that's maybe more of a homer pick, although I think that dude's got some juice. But Cam Makers was, not that long ago, felt like he was maybe not at the top of this running back list, but but coming in as a freshman was very, very high on this list for running backs.
2: Absol- I mean, you could make the argument that when he came onto campus, With that class, it'll be the class of 2021, Mm -hmm. but they'll all leave early after this year. He was, on many people's board, the number one prospect at the running Mm -hmm. back position. Unfortunately for him, he has stepped into a nightmare in Florida State. I mean, if you haven't watched the Seminoles like last year, dude, they might have had the worst offensive line play I've ever seen. It was a jailbreak. It was, (laughs) I mean, it was so bad. I mean, my friends and I, when we do the CFF on-campus podcast, Scott and Justin, we used to laugh about the Florida State offensive line. I mean, it was just abysmal. So some of Cam Akers, if you're looking at a production standpoint, you're like, eh, he hasn't really ascended to what we had hoped for because he only averages 4.9 yards per carry. He's only scored 16 touchdowns and had 1,700 yards rushing in two seasons. But you got to put that in context. The Seminoles have been a bad football team, and their offensive line has been atrocious. So if you understand that, the 4.9 doesn't look so bad. The 16 touchdowns isn't awful because they're not in the red zone. They're not scoring. But I'll tell you where there's some promise. He has 39 receptions. He's a better pass catcher than people give him credit for. He has the size and speed at 5'11", 212. Right now, I am have, have him at number eight on my board. I'm actually buying him in college fantasy football. I mm-hmm. think there's value there, and he's underpriced because everyone thinks that he was so bad where he wasn't that bad. It's just the team. And it's interesting. You talked about Pirine. I'm buying Pirine in college fantasy football because he's basically free. No mm-hmm. one wants him. He's a good player. I think Florida is one of the ascending teams this year. I think they're going to be very good. I'm <laughs> bullish on the Gators. But hmm. I don't have him in my top fifteen prospects at okay. this time. I got to see more with Piran.
1: Okay, uh, going back to Cam, I I think we'll be able to see more of that pass catching ability in a in the second year in, in Willie Taggart's system too. Even yes. if it's not super innovative or turning like maybe the Seminoles were hoping would be with that, with that, I think you'll we'll at least be able to see that more from Acres this year. Yeah, and, and yeah, I'm a Willie Tagger guy right now. Yeah,
2: and I, I, I'm a hey, I'm a Willie Taggart guy. He's got to turn it around. He's got to show us something because his system's good,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: it just didn't work last year.
1: Oh, and he could get run fast up there in Tallahassee. Oh,
2: he's... if they're as bad as last year, he's out. They're not going to take it.
1: <laughs> Swags, you're up. What is up? What, what is up to drink? <laughs> I'm up.
0: I forgot I was here.
1: John. <laughs> All right, well, then I'm I'm not going to let him go. Well, Uh, so
0: if – no, I'm done talking about that. I want to ask John something else because we're we're getting to that point where we're probably going to throw the two-minute breakdown at him sort of quick, I'm assuming. But, like, I want to know, and wherever this goes, and if we get back to what you guys were talking about, that's cool. (laughs) But, but, like, you do all this, like, you analyze all these college players and – dive deep in it so if you're in a non Debbie startup like what is your startup strategy do you have a knack for going after the youth that you've spent all that time like looking at before they hit their NFL landing spots or are you still more into the safer vets or are you an ageist no, I guess like holes. how far do you take this
2: oh, that's
1: those guys are coming up too
2: yeah so if I was in a Devi startup non-Devi the value the value <laughs> is going to be on second and third year you. players in the league. I found that all the time. Because people want, you know, the flat Rondell Moore. Let's say people like, oh, I want Rondell Moore. Now he's not going to come into the NFL into until 2021. Great player out of Purdue. But if I'm going to take Christian Kirk or Rondell Moore, I'm going with Christian Kirk right now. Yeah. Yeah. So what I I find the value are Guys who I had highly rated in the last two years, but people think they failed. As an example, I bought Tyler Boyd in all four of my dynasty leagues last year. He was free. I picked him up either before week one because I had read good things coming out of the Bengals camp or after week one on the waiver wire in redraft leagues because you can't give up on a player who you have highly rated after only two years in the NFL and Tyler Boyd finally popped. He he did exactly what I thought he was capable of coming out of the University of Pittsburgh. So I'm not gonna overrate, like I'm not gonna draft DeAndre Swift in the first round of a Debbie League. Now, if he's in the seventh round, I might consider it. You know what I mean? So I'm not gonna reach too far because the problem is the injuries can happen to any player anytime. And if I've got to wait two years or a year, I'd rather have someone I know on the field now. But now I'll—I'll I'll make as an example. I would take Cam Akers in round fifteen because if I'm sitting there and he's cheap and I know the talent's there, I'll take that and sit on him. But I'm not going to overpay. Does that make sense? Did I oh, explain that right? Yeah, yeah. Because I'd rather go deep. Like here's an example: Colin Johnson, Texas. Love him. 66220. That's right, folks. Six six two twenty. You are going to be hearing about Colin Johnson, wide receiver, Texas. By the month of November, he's going to be on everyone's lips. He's the type of guy. You can get him free. Free. In a Debbie League. Round twenty-five. No one's touching him. He's the type of player that I want.
1: Oh there you
0: go.
2: <laughs> uh, sorry. No,
0: you're good. You're good. I didn't know which one of us was coming in.
1: Well, I didn't know if you were asking the other part or if if you felt like it was time to mess with John on two minute breakdown, was <laughs> um, helped part? a little bit. I don't know.
2: <laughs> you alluded to something else.
0: I want to know how much you still like Rashad Penny.
1: You <laughs> know, interesting. It always gets back to Penny lately.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's overpriced right now. I do. I think people are paying a lot for a player that we have not seen the production with Chris Carson. And I understand Chris Carson's injured. But I do think he should, you know, we'll see on training camp. But I think people are paying a lot for Rashad Penny. I'm actually seeing in best ball leagues, Rashad Penny goes in the fourth or fifth round, and I'm gobbling up Chris Carson in round seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I'm very yeah, happy with that. I don't think I
0: can take him that early either.
1: I'm, I'm with you.
2: Yeah, hard. I mean, he, some reason, he's like, people are just so bullish on him. And Chris Carson's still on the roster. Is
1: that Travis Tomer love, y'all got to watch out. Just <laughs> All right. Let's do it, Swags. All right. Ready? All right. John, you're getting two-minute breakdown, although other people haven't heard it. You've, you've kind of done this before. Uh, but 12, <laughs> 12 questions in okay. two minutes. Um, these questions are all over the board. Swags did help with some of these, so those are the bad ones. And <laughs> all I'm going to say on the, on the clue for question one is you can't say James Williams. All right, brother. All right.
2: And now, your two-minute breakdown.
1: A rookie that you were high on before the NFL draft that the landing spot has kept you away?
2: Uh, Bryce Love, Washington Redskins.
1: What do you call a cow with no legs?
2: Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an answer. I'm sorry.
1: Ground beef. What uh, is the best vacation you have ever been on?
2: Um, Costa Rica, without question.
1: In a full PPR, Todd Gurley finishes as RB blank this year. Fifteen. Ooh, I don't like that. How many licks does the owl say it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop?
2: Um, He can't get to the center, right? So it's infinity?
1: It's it's three. Oh, it takes
2: three licks. Okay. What is
1: the favorite rookie wide receiver with the last name Brown?
2: Oh, favorite rookie wide receiver? Oh, A.J. Brown.
1: (laughs) What do you call a nice French fry? (laughs) Unbelievable. A sweet potato. Uh, Rams wide receiver for fantasy point production in order for 2019 is? Cooks,
2: um, uh,
1: Woods, Cup. What is your favorite movie villain? (laughs) (laughs) Favorite movie villain?
2: Oh, um, the Joker, without question. Not even close.
1: Uh, Miles Boykin or Hakeem Butler just in 2019?
2: Hakeem Butler.
1: Ice cream is the broccoli. As Julio Jones is to blank.
2: Ice cream is to broccoli as Julio Jones is to Andy Isabella.
1: (laughs) What's the favorite meal that your wife cooks? Oh, without question, she makes a mean enchilada. Mr. Teacher, did you ever have to attend summer school? I did one year, yes. (laughs) Just in time. Loved it. (laughs) Good stuff, John.
2: I love it. It's great, that's,
1: brothers. Yeah, I like the uh, Julio Jones is too, Andy Isabella. That was the. <laughs>
2: well, I had a thing. I'm like, broccoli ice cream. Who could be more
1: opposite? Who could be
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how I am. Like, oh, I had, yeah.
1: I had many items all over that, and that's what I settled on. So you're welcome. That's what I did.
2: Uh, John's, I love like, that one.
0: John's the one guy that would choose broccoli over ice cream.
1: Right. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, it's what I, I, I only have ice cream now on like holiday family gatherings. Um, but I do eat broccoli a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> damn, Andy so Isabella! Buy Andy Isabella is what John said.
2: <laughs> yeah. The moral of the story: <laughs> So be sob- conflicted right sob- now. Be,
1: be regular. Get you some Andy <laughs> Isabella. Got it. Yes. <laughs> oh man, that's, that was fun, John. Uh, hopefully, everybody else gets to hear this one this time. But uh, so if they do. Uh, just let everybody know where they can find you and all your work because it's there's a lot out there for you.
2: Thanks gentlemen. Um, My Twitter handle is gridiron skull 91. Please follow me there. Ask me any questions about fantasy football draft prospects, college fantasy football. I'll be glad to help you out anytime. All my draft profiles. They're available in two spots. The written profiles are on FootballDiehards.com. The video profile series I do with my partner, Andy Singleton is available. On YouTube, just type in expand the box score one word and you'll see all of our um, NFL draft profiles there. And all my college fantasy football stuff is now exclusively available on fantrax.com, which is the preeminent site to play college fantasy football. They have all 130 teams. You can play power five, group of five, or like I like to play all 130. They're the only site that does that. They're amazing, but see my stuff on that's Absolutely. a lot of stuff
0: and, and i that's mean stuff. to go back to singleton like he does some great work like on all his videos and everything you see up there so
2: yeah, yeah. i'm very lucky i love working with andy yep so good
0: stuff dave montgomery or Carrie on johnson
2: uh dave, Mon- dave montgomery
1: i'm with you that was a pretty david. heated debate last night on the super flexible oh. podcast david David uh, Johnson and Jarvis Landry, or Julio Jones and Latavius Murray? Julio.
2: Oh, Julio Jones and Latavius Murray.
1: Uh, Twitter. Twitter right now is crushing me on that one.
2: Are they? No!
0: (laughs) Twitter's taking the other side of that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh,
1: wow. I played Russ, to be honest. It's it's, it's Russ's
0: fault. I think people overvalue the number three wide receiver on going a little too much.
1: Easy. Give Callaway. It's still day. hard. It's still hard for me So to... <laughs> It's still hard to get rid of Jarvis. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Jarvis back for you before I have to play a one. Yeah. He's <laughs> coming back. He's coming back. coming home. John, have a good one, brother. Yeah, thanks for ton. You
2: too. Enjoy your time. Thank you. Yep.
0: by the way this one time at band camp
1: yeah do you think I'm gonna yes. stop the this show
0: First time ever we didn't do our
1: whole outro
0: oh uh, absolutely.